0: This is AA Beyond Belief, episode 135. Angela's back to discuss the steps from a more secular point of view. And in this episode, we'll take a look at Steps 6 and 7, which in their original wording read as, We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character and humbly ask Him to remove our shortcomings. Sounds like these steps should be completely discarded if you're an atheist or agnostic or otherwise secular. But when you stop and think about what's really being done here, It turns out there's nothing supernatural going on at all. How are you, Angela?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm fine. Thank you. Um, (laughs) Today, we're going to talk about steps six and seven. And I thought that we would go ahead and combine them, I guess, since they kind of go together in the original steps, which doesn't really require much effort since the higher power does everything. It's like the first part of it is just becoming willing and the other part is asking God to do it, um, if I remember right. But we we take a, a different approach um, when you look at it from a, a more secular point of view. I'm interested in hearing how you look at it because you went through the steps using the um, alternative 12-step book. And I started off With this step, I think, um, well, I I did it the traditional way originally, but I think I always had in my mind that this step for me was just a continuing effort of addressing my basically, you know, psychological problems, you know, over the rest of my life. (laughs) But but, uh, then after, um, over the last, you know, four years or so, I've been reading a lot of different books and have learned a lot about what I think this 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 actually involves but why don't we start with you you want to kind of go through what you think about these steps what they mean to you uh,
1: yeah we can do that but i am curious about um like what your your first take on it was because I think that's what um, quite a few of our listeners either might identify or what they might be hearing in the rooms of what they have to do and so maybe if if we talk about that, or what, if you remember what exactly your your sponsor told you to do for those steps, or your understanding, my
0: sponsor told me to pray for God to remove my defects.
1: <laughs> that was pretty much it. Yes. And and how did how did uh, he? Determine or how did you determine, you know, when that happened or, you know,
0: when when to move on? (laughs) That's the thing. You go to meetings and people talk about, well, you know, God still hasn't taken this away or that away. Um, I honestly think that these steps, uh, that this part of the program, you call them steps aren't really properly addressed in AA meetings. People don't really talk about the real work that we do to change because of the fact that they were originally worded as being a supernatural thing that happens, that there's really nothing that we ourselves can do, but we have to turn to God. So yeah, when I was doing this, I I read the um, 12 and 12 because there's really nothing written in the big book about it. And we kind of worked through that. I think that we looked at the concept of humility. That was a concept that was really... Beaten into me, almost almost detrimentally to a certain extent. I got myself so humble that I I have to remind myself it's okay to be proud of something once in a while I've, that I've done. You know, it's okay to you know. So yeah, it was just it's just a little bit ridiculous, but yeah. So we f- I think we focused on humility and we focused on how I guess that the these were um, instincts run a run a, run awry. We have a natural instinct that. To survive or whatever, and and then that gets out of control by being selfish or whatever, and that and and that alcoholics are 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 the worst because they go to such extremes. So that's yeah, those that's basically the stuff that I that I was taught. But the actual work of this, nothing after you after you do that, sponsor says go pray, and then for the rest of your life you're supposed to pray about these things. Now, I I see them completely different now. And I think even in retrospect, as I look back on that experience, when I finished steps four and five, like we were talking about last time, I started going to therapy. And I think that that going to therapy for me was my step six and seven work, basically. So, And I always kind of saw it that way, is that for me, this was always about addressing the other other issues in my life that needed to be addressed other than just my drinking is how I see, how I think I saw it, but no, the actual practical, the actual stuff I did was all very, um, religious oriented because that's the way it is. in in AA.
1: Right. Huh? <laughs> well, cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, um, I hear a lot of that in meetings too, and it just seems so strange from my personal experience. The, you know, the I, I get usually what they're talking about when they're they're trying to, but I do find it kind of funny that steps in six and seven are are not often the um, topic <laughs> for the discussion. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, I occasionally in step study meetings, you know, if they do them like by the month, then in June and July there's a lot of people who are absent because. You You know, not a lot to talk about with six and seven. But for me, you know, like you, I found them to be the most important um, as far as uh – Change and acceptance of myself, and and I guess that uh, release that that a lot of people find, um, you know, most of them say they they get it after step uh, five, sharing with somebody else. But for me, I think it was in six and seven because that's where I started to see a little bit better that I wasn't the sum total of of you know these uh, behaviors or character defects, um, and it gave me that that grace from the the part of my mind that uh, seems to keep me accountable or that's so critical. It's like, oh, okay. So, you know, these are things that I've developed over the years to survive and to cope. And now I have the opportunity to see them and see how I can use them in both positive and and how I was using them negatively and, and do something different. So, um, when I was looking at the alternative steps uh, secular guide um, book again um, they do step six is um, willingness to change um, I think and uh, step seven as as um, at least the principles behind step six is a is a willingness to to change, and seven was uh, personal responsibility and the actual involvement in change, um, courage, uh, self discipline, and um, and it says humility as well, and and that's always an an interesting one the the word because for a lot of us it's been used to beat us down, um, where at the time it, you know that these were you know developed, those guys did need <laughs> a little bit of ego uh, <laughs> suppression. Uh, but these days, it, it's more of a uh, trying to find that that balance of, of self, you know, in between I'm the greatest and, and I'm the worst, because I, I still go to that a lot that I'm either, you know, the best at something or I'm the worst, you know, the or I'm the best at being the worst, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, so yeah, so those are the things that that we kind of looked at. And so for step six, I have like some of my old step work here that that I've done in the past on it. And it's kind of hard to read because uh, I was crazier. Um, (laughs) At the time, but, um, but yeah, um, we would go and we would write down, you know, what uh, the defect or the behavior or the tool or, or whatever was um, in one column, and then I'd write down why it was useful to me. And I talked a little bit about this in, in, um, our discussions before on Forum 5. Um, but then, um, I would ha- write down, um, what options I have that are outside of what, you know, I can do. Um, so something new I can do instead, uh, to get, uh, that need met or whatever the useful thing was. So, so basically, like, one of them was, um, laziness and procrastination. <laughs> I put that, you know, and, uh, and so I put that it was useful to me because it gave me time to think through ideas, you know, and uh, that uh, other options are that I can still pause um, while taking action. Um, or if I'm, I'm pausing, um, I can ask others for, per- for perspective, um, you know, so I can be actively doing things while not taking action, rather than just uh, procrastinate or put things off. So it's changing that. And then the last thing that um, she would have me write down is how is this new way of doing things useful to myself and others. And so I think that's part of the willingness to change and the the looking at either the humility or you know looking at it as a way that I can improve not just for myself but um, for society as a whole. Um and so then i'd I'd write down some sort of thing that you know, along the lines of you know practicing trust, you know that that you know, I don't have to control everything um, or direct everything. And sometimes my, you know, procrastinating and being lazy was because I felt like I needed to and I couldn't for whatever reason, or I wouldn't be doing it right, you know, and so there's a lot of things that I haven't done because I wouldn't be able to do it right from the start. And so, you know, I put it off. And so, um, so for six, um, it was looking at those things and again, writing down lists like that, on what, what each of these uh, defects or obstacles, (laughs) you know, whatever you chose to call them um, were, you know, what, what they meant, you know, why, why I was uh, doing them, and then what I could do differently, and why I would want to do them differently. Basically, what's another one that might be helpful? Um, I guess there there was one that I was um, doubting that I deserved unconditional love. So that was from like a, a place of shame or something from growing up. So one of the things that I found from that is that I I did that or that that came about as a way of protecting myself from more emotional harm. You know that I was trying to preserve myself by you know doubting that other people could love me and that. Uh, what I learned from this was that I'm the one who, at at any given time, you know, am able to give myself the love that I need, um, that I don't have to orchestrate it or depend on my self-worth from other people or protect myself from other people. So, um, so it's more of an Opening myself up to, you know, vulnerability and, and trust in a, in abundance. You're really so, fortunate
0: that you had that experience. I think of not having to of doing it originally from from that perspective, because I had to unlearn some things. Like for me, it was a new concept actually, um, just within the last couple of years to see these um, behaviors. As what you just described as coping mechanisms that worked at one time, but don't work any longer in our sober life, I never really stopped to think of it that way. I, I was I was I was so entrenched to this mindset of the character defects and the need to build character, and I think character building is good. But it's it's it it puts the focus too much, I think, on this idea that my character is bad, you know, and it needs it needs to be good. And I know that doesn't really mean that, but that's that's the mindset that that you're a person is still in. But when you think about it in terms of these are coping mechanisms that I was using in my life, And they served a purpose at that time. They they were helping me survive in a dysfunctional household, for example, or they were helping me get through um, a crazy life when I was addicted to alcohol. These were, these were mechanisms that I used to help me get, get through life. But now as a sober person who is trying to have, you know, normal relationships with other people, those, those, those things just don't work anymore. And I need to learn other ways of, I need, I need to grow out of those things and, 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 uh, and learn more more healthy ways, I guess, of behaving. I got that from a conversation I had actually with Stephanie R. I had her on a podcast, and she was talking about this these things as um, oh, I, not, not character traits, but uh, defense mechanisms. And I never really I never really thought of it that way before. But then in Jeffrey Munn's book, The Steps, originally talk about removing things, and he puts the focus on adding something. So he he looks at it the same way is that these were behaviors that we engaged in to cope. And rather than trying to get rid of them, let's focus on building more positive or healthy um, ways of living
1: yeah yeah no and and that's that's kind of how i I learned too um, was because like with you know, I've mentioned before manipulation, you know i I learned you know manipulation it, you know sometimes you have to do it to get shit done <laughs> you know and so and so it's not something that you know I want removed from me because it is a, a skill and it's something that's actually rewarded in in a lot of um business and uh, careers and stuff in order to get things done. Um, What I needed to do was look at, you know, how I was using it in ways that weren't helpful for me, um, weren't helpful for my integrity in the person that I wanted to be, and then change those and look at, you know, how I could do something differently in those situations. And um, and a lot of that was just uh, the learning to pause and kind of um, take a step back from whatever uh, situation was happening that I was unhappy with um and not just automatically go to manipulation um in order to get things done but to be able to look and see is the you know what is the best tool for this situation is it just for me to step back and let you know whoever else is involved figure it out for themselves you know am i supposed to be the the person who's like the 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 wise you know um guidance or something, you know, do I step back and just share, you know, some, some words of wisdom? Or, or do I just keep my mouth shut? You know, <laughs> is that the best way to get through these things? Um, but yeah, it's, it's to recognize that this is a tool. This is, you know, where it came from. I had to manipulate in order to get my needs met um, growing up. And, uh, and I don't have to do that now. There are lots of other tools at my disposal. Um, but I have these ones, you know, hardwired into my brain um, because of, of how I grew up and so yeah so that's a you know how how I learned to, to look at them. so I, I in meetings where they're talking about you know step six and seven and things not being taken away I, I always bring up a, a defect that um, that I I've used and how I you know, used it negatively when I was drinking or in the past, um, you know, just in general, um, and how it I still can be used negatively now, um, but also how, you know, it can be used positively, you know, why I used it, you know, and that it wasn't necessarily bad that I was using it. So trying to take things away from the good and bad and um, the evil, horrible, alcoholic, work, worst person in the world to, you know, just a person who was, you know, uh, trying to get by and uh, using the tools that that they developed you know it, it wasn't like I we you know were born and said I'd like this set of tools you know it's it's you know what we grew into and so some of this I think in six and seven is unlearning which is going through and recognizing so you have to go through and see and, and make the connections with your step work and and uh, your sponsor or whoever you're, you're doing this with um, make the connections. Um, and then make some decisions. on. So, you know, you write down, for us, we write down on on note cards, and this is more of the step seven, where we're trying to learn, you know, I guess, self-discipline and and personal responsibility and stuff, um, where we're getting involved in our change. Um, We write down on note cards, um, some of these um, traits that we would like to use better <laughs> and make better choices about um, and uh, like judgment or something like that. And then um, a, a little note on, you know, how we've used it in the past that wasn't helpful. And then on the other side, what some of the options are if we find ourselves um, sitting in judgment or being angry or, you know, whatever it is that's, that, you know, is the sign to us that, that we're judging people or we're in a, a negative form of judgment. And, you know what we can do instead and then the things uh, you know on the back the things we can do instead we kind of read over and see if any of them fit the situation that we're in and then we can sit and think about that or do you know whatever that action is but um, for seven it was really like having those things so that we could practice (laughs) making something different it wasn't that that you know a higher power took away you know my my judgmentalness of other people and and things going on around me that, you know, I just didn't seem right. It was that uh, I had to first learn to recognize, oh, you know, I'm judging that person. And then look at what my little, you know, note card said are other things that I could do instead, and then practice that at that moment. And then, you know, keep doing that. So, so for six and seven, um, the way that, that we do them, um, uh, that I've done them, is that, yeah, you go through, you do the the writing down, you know, in columns generally again. Um, and then on seven, you you write the stuff on the note card and then it's part of, you know, you carry that around for a few weeks working on it. And then we meet either, you know, like I meet with my sponsor or sponsee, who, whatever the situation is, and then talk about situations where they've actually used them? You know, has it been helpful? Did they find that when they were doing it, that a new idea came up of how they can use, you know, uh, act differently in a certain situation. And so it was developing that that self discipline of pausing, and then trying something new, and living through that experience of, you know, not just reacting to a situation, and then, you know, rinse and repeat, basically. Um, and so that's, that's how, how I do six and seven and why I think that they're, you know, really pivotal um, for my recovery, because it's the, the practicing and, you know, oftentimes failing, <laughs> you know, still acting in, a, in the negative way of manipulation or judgment or whatever it is. Um, and then, um, and then looking again at, oh, wait, I can do this, you know, and then trying that and then having that be the new thing that, that is easier to do, because once you, you know, keep trying something, then that starts to be the the go-to. Um, and so more often than not, I can be calm in a situation um, instead of reactive. Um, but I needed to know why I was being reactive and that I was being reactive. And, um, and what are my other options? You know, it's, it's kind of like when somebody starts to realize that they are alcoholic or that they do have a problem. It's like, well, great. You recognize that, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to drink ever again. (laughs) You know, how do you not drink ever again? And so six and seven for me is how do I learn to do things differently So that um, I'm not still behaving in the ways that that made me feel negative about myself. And like I needed to turn to a substance or some sort of thing for escape.
0: And, you know, you know, I did seek outside resources, you know, beyond myself or AA. So that was like, I guess, my substitute for the higher power is, you know, going seeking professional help, you know, therapy and so forth. But that, that that was me, but you know, again, I we talked about this before. I, I, I did I do recommend it. That's that's what really helped get me into another level because when I was able to talk to another person about you know, I had I, when I'd go to my therapist. In other words, I wouldn't have like a list of my character defects or a list of things that I was wanting to change, but I had them in my head. I knew I knew what I learned, and I would talk about these things, and I would just talk about what's going on in my life, and then I would learn different ways, or I, or I'd even have a different way of even perceiving it, because sometimes the way that I would perceive um, something wasn't, might, there's could be another way of looking at it, you know, Um, like the whole procrastination thing, you know, sometimes, yeah, sometimes I, I'm, I need to just do something, you know, I need to pay that bill, you know, just, just do it, you know, but other times, you know, it's like, you need to stop and pause and think like you were saying, you know, if I'm working on something, some project um, at work, you know, and I, I just can't, I just can't get it done. I can't, you know, I'm just not, but what's happening, what's really going on there is I'm thinking it through. I'm thinking it through. I'm thinking of how am I going to, to really get this project done. And then eventually it does flow and it comes, you know, and of course you do have deadlines and stuff at work, but you know, a lot of times I I think that I'm, I'm putting something off when in real reality, I'm really and thinking it over I'm trying to understand how I want to get this thing done
1: right yeah it's kind of the the story that we we tell ourselves about you know whatever is happening our emotion or or the meaning that we give to it and and a lot of us um, have different meanings that that we've applied to our behavior. And sometimes it's correct. And sometimes it isn't. So
0: I used to think I was a terrible procrastinator. And I remember as a younger person going to meetings, and I would be talking about that a lot, you know, like, oh, bad me, bad me, procrastinate, procrastinate. And especially like on step four, when we were doing that, And then later, in hindsight, I look back on it. I thought, well, you know what? During that time when I was procrastinating step four and beating myself up about it, and my sponsor was giving me a hard time about it, actually, I was kind of trying to understand what the hell I was going to do. You know, I was, it was, it was a, it was a period of time of reflection. It was, it, that was actually part of working the step. It was kind of preparing myself for what I was going to, you know, what I was going to be doing. You know, I, I didn't take it. I didn't do it lightly. I took it pretty seriously. So yeah, you know, it's just, it's nice to be able to have, you know, someone who can give you another way of looking at things sometimes. And I think that that was really helpful for me.
1: As we've said before, therapy is invaluable and, and, um. And yeah, and I, I suggest it to anybody who can get it um, as soon as possible and in, in recovery, because yeah, there's a lot of stuff that AA isn't um, a good fit for, for everyone. Um, you know, some would say anyone. <laughs> but but there are there are some good things, which is why we do this podcast and why why we're still involved is uh, trying to help people that need the help where they're at. Because when I, I got sober, I, I didn't have the resources for quality therapy. Therapy. and I just you know was fortunate that I you know was in a place in in a city and at a time where I met somebody who was doing the steps these this way and, and well who was willing to do the step this way she already did them a little bit differently than most people from her because of her Buddhist perspective but she had never actually done it using the alternative 12 steps a secular guide and so she was willing to do that with me because I had that book and um, and yeah and and so because of that, I understand them and, and uh, do a program that's a little bit different than the mainstream, but that has really worked well for me. You know, So another thing I was thinking about with um, that I learned from uh, six and seven, I think um, one of the things that came out of my step work uh, that I was looking at earlier was um, I was frustrated. This was after I had done some step work and stuff. Um, but I was uh, meeting with my sponsor and I was frustrated because I, you know, was having trouble at work. Uh, I was having trouble getting up and going to work. And so I hadn't, um, set my alarm or I'd slept through my alarm like three times that week. And, um, and so, you know, what I was you know frustrated with is why I'm being so lazy and inconsistent again and, and things like that. And so we talked about, you know, so what does this behavior that I'm doing of, uh, not getting up with my alarm. What are the feelings that it's created? And, and, you know, I was frustrated uh, with myself. I was in fear of being late for work that I could lose my job. And I was embarrassed, you know, about being late. Uh, But the real issues that that were behind all of that is that I was, um, feeling loathing for myself that I can't seem to get it together and shame that I have a regular job instead of, of creating my own destiny or, or whatever it is that I had in my mind that um, that I didn't like this job because of, you know, and and that these were this, you know, not getting up was actually me acting out these emotions and these feelings and, and things that I created. And so what we did was uh, created a plan of, you know, how how would I like to take care of this differently? And, and so we did, you know, some practical things like, um, you know, try to set my alarm earlier. And then um, also we wrote down for me to research employment or career options or things that I would be interested in that would have hours or flexible schedule or, you know, uh, something along those lines. And then what are the next steps that I can take um, to set me on a path to be doing that instead? And so that, you know, was, part of kind of doing a, a six and seven on a behavior that, you know, I didn't necessarily write down when I first went through the steps. I mean, I, I think I had, you know, laziness or, or the procrastination, but this was a very specific uh, incident and uh, behavior that I needed to work on. And so, um so I, we worked, you know, basically kind of a six and seven, the way that we do them on this behavior. And it was, it was helpful to me. So basically yeah, we with the the defects, and I always do the, the air quotes when I do them. Um, um, we look at you know how it was useful to me, you know what it, it was useful because. Um, what are other ways that I can take care of this need, or what are it, what is it trying to tell me about a need I have, and then what are the positive actions uh, that are healthy or specific that I can do instead of these uh, use the outdated resource or use the resource in a way that's not helpful
0: and this really is a lifelong process and and sometimes it's like you know two steps forward and one step back you know i i a couple of years ago maybe it was 2 3 years ago i had a crisis going on at work where they wrote me up and they were getting ready to fire me and they gave me a list of reasons of <laughs> things i wasn't doing right and some of it was true some of it wasn't but i took a look at i took a look at at what they told me. And I I reflected on my behavior at work and I knew that there were some things that I could change. And I set about doing that. And I wasn't, you know, I I think I was looking at it as steps four and five. I wasn't really thinking specifically about six and seven, but there were some specific behaviors that I changed. And one of those things really was just to take my boss a little bit more serious. So in other words, if my boss wanted something done a certain way, I should do it that way. You know, (laughs) it sounds kind of silly, but but for whatever reason, you know, I thought I I just wasn't doing that. I don't know what was wrong, but I just I just kind of slid into this behavior where Um, yeah, these are things that you want me to do, but you know, I'm going to do it this way and this should work. You know, (laughs) it was kind of not good. (laughs) So I, I do things the way she wants now. You know, I try to, I try to, I try to do it. And, and, you know, she's a decent person. She'll listen to me if I have an idea to do something different way. A lot of times she'll do it that way. You know, she's totally fine with that. But, you know, I was just working totally independently and, um, not really thinking about, you know, not, not, not having conversations with her about how we can do something different. So, yeah, it cha- it's changed things totally. But that's just an example of how, you know, even after many years of sobriety, I can engage in behaviors that, you know, are pretty unhealthy and dangerous and could impact my, my security. But I do have... I do have a way now of dealing with them. I mean, the the whole thing about just recognizing there's a problem, getting honest about it, looking at my part in it, getting, getting, um, putting the stuff, the fears and the BS aside, you know, and just looking at the facts, what's really happening. And that's what I think, that's what I think the program is about, really. Um, the practical part of the program is looking at the facts and not attaching a judgment to it, but looking at, hey, this is what, this is what I do. These are behaviors I have. I understand why I have them. They're not really working out so well. I really need to work on more a different way of of handling these these things.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then learning not to identify with it, which is is the hardest part for me is, you know, if somebody calls me on something that that they think that I'm not doing right, or um, whatever, it, you know, I, my past was always like, you know, at jobs, I'd like quit jobs, you know, right. I, I think I've told before about, you know, that at one of them, they asked me, you know, uh, where in an email where a certain file was, and I got so pissed, because, <laughs> you know, it's like, what, you don't think I know where files are supposed to go. You think I, I ruined the file? I lost the file? How dare you? I don't have to put up with this. You know, and it, they just asked me where a file was, but I took it as a personal insult to my integrity as a worker in America or something, you know? Um, and so, yeah, so that was one of the, that my sponsor and I like to laugh about um, because I, I was, I was ready to quit. And and at that point, by that time um, in my sobriety, I had made a deal with my sponsor, that I would not quit a job without calling her first. <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. like that. That was my reactivity to any sort of criticism, um, that or perceived criticism. Like I said, this wasn't a a actual criticism. My my boss was just looking for a file. Um, I just read it, you know, as a criticism. And so, yeah, so I, I did not not quit my job over that. But um, that was my my mo. That's how I, I operated on things and so now you know when stuff like that happens sometimes that part of me does still you know pop up and and uh you know the fear that that they think i'm not doing something right or that i didn't do something right or whatever um but i've practiced enough now to know that okay you know i can take some deep breaths and ask some questions to find out you know what is really going on here is it that i i goofed up you know and if i did is it that i didn't understand what they wanted from me or is it that i understood but thought that i knew better and it turns out i don't (laughs) you know um and that i need to change the way i'm doing things to better match you know the group that i'm in um but it's it it's not as much of a um well as a defective character or as a attack on my character whereas it felt like in most work settings and in relationships and friendships and stuff that it was an attack on my character anything that was you know not right um and that i would generally leave retreat or do some sort of action that was uncalled for for the situation because um, I couldn't see it um, correctly, and so doing this step work um, gave me options on how I could start looking at things um, in a different light, and and so that's why I still you know do I guess some people would call it a ten step, but um, if I'm struggling with something and I don't have the ability for whatever reason to talk to somebody else, or I don't think it's an appropriate thing to talk to somebody else about at the moment, I can go through. And and write columns and and do what I think the, the situation is about at the moment. And then by doing that, it has changed, I guess, in my brain so that I can actually do the the column on what's my part in it. But I, it helps me to write it out in that way um, because I know that even if I write my part in it, that, you know, it doesn't mean that I'm a bad person, whereas usually going into it, my, my brain's, you know, still spiraling on how I was wronged in this situation and how this person's wrong and these people need to do this and blah, blah, blah. Um, but when I write it out in this way, I've learned that I can, I can, um, be open to um, having a part in it and that when I write that down it it takes a lot of the power and the the juice away from um, whatever it is that's uh, bothering me or, or causing me to spin and you know I wish I was much more you know, Zen and, uh, you know, nothing got to me. And, you know, I was open to all criticism and would consider it thoughtfully. And, uh, but that's not the person that I am. <laughs> you know, I'm definitely better than I was. But, you know, I have to do a lot of this work in order to, um, to be a, a balanced person.
0: Writing is incredibly helpful to me and it always has been. From the time I was a little kid, I would I would write to try to understand what what I was feeling, what I was angry about or whatever. And today to this day, when I am having a serious life problem, I always start addressing yeah. it by writing. Yeah,
1: definitely. That makes me think of my niece when she was uh, only two, she would get a notepad and she would just put little marks on it and then she'd tear off the paper and hand it to us. And so she had like, you know, all these notes for us and, and yeah, got into journaling at a very young age when she didn't even know what letters were or how to read. And, and uh, I always thought that was cute. And, and to this day, she, she loves to read and journal and stuff. So, you
0: know, I'll never forget when I was 12 years old, I wrote, a declaration of independence from my parents and I posted it all over the house about what tyrants my parents were and how I was declaring my independence from them. <laughs> oh, that's great. But I, when I was writing it out though, you know, it's like, you know, Thomas Jefferson, he, he was actually, you know, writing out his grievances to, to the king. I did the same thing. It's like, I'm really pissed at my parents. You know? <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So writing has always been, always been important. And something that you said that, um, that I caught on to also, is how interesting it is that a lot of the problems that we seem to, to get into um, boil down to communication. It's like we perceive something one way. They asked you for the file. You perceived it a whole different way than they intended it to be perceived. But that was your reality. And it was like, it was like not having that communication. And it's like, I, I deal with that now. And it's usually the workplace where I have these things. You know, I'm a manager. I've got these people that work for me. And... They do what I did to my boss. They don't do things the way I want them done, right? And so, so I'm thinking, I'm thinking, oh man, they just don't respect me. And blah blah blah. And next thing you know, I'm falling into this. I'm falling into this, you know, this morass of anger and frustration and everything. But but if you really stop and think, okay, these are just this is just how I feel. But if you if you ask the person, you know, in a, in a way that. You know, it's it's not confrontational or anything, but you just kind of get down to the facts of what's going on. You find out it's really not personal. I always take things personally. I think that's probably natural to take it personal. And then you get down to it. It's like, oh, no, you're just doing what I was doing <laughs> to my boss.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that my first sponsor um, gave me, which was helpful, was uh, the book uh, Nonviolent Communication, and um, in it, um, there are actually like scripts written out on how to you know ask questions when you're in a situation that that you're that is strife or you're uncertain or or whatever. And uh, and that was really helpful um, to me to because I would ask questions sometimes, but I would ask you know directed questions or you know they would be loaded questions or you know that kind of a thing. Um, and I try to even use I statements, but then. And, you know, it was, I was hurt by you being a jerk, you know, or something like that. Um, And so this, this book has these prompts of, you know, I mean, it talks about a lot of other things too, but what I found the most helpful was the actual prompts on how to ask questions because sometimes they really did have an issue with me and I had to learn how to receive that without freaking out. And, um, and that does not come natural to me. Um, that sounds
0: like a really good book. Th- th- that communication piece is really important. Another thing that I learned is um, in AA, I learned somewhere along the lines um, that um, if you tell somebody how you feel, they can't really argue your feelings. Well, that's kind of true, I guess, but that's not always the best way to address something. Is to say, "I feel, I feel like you don't respect me," or whatever, you know, because the person will still look at it like, oh, you're, you think that I, it, it just doesn't always work. And there's got, there's got to be another way of doing it. Sometimes you have to, sometimes when you tell somebody that, that, that you feel a certain way, it's putting the, it's putting it on them to make me feel different. You know, and it's just like, you can sometimes just leave that out. Sometimes I think it's appropriate to talk about how you feel, but sometimes it's not so appropriate. Maybe and i'm just kind of kind of figuring that out myself this whole communication thing i should probably read that book
1: yeah, it was, it was helpful for me. Um, she, cause it was my first sponsor. And so it was, you know, still in my early recovery. Um, well, where, where I was, you know, making friends within recovery community and trying to build, you know, solid friendships, um, instead of just, you know, people that I drank with at the bar and, and stuff. And those were with other recovering alcoholics. So, you know, what could go wrong? Um, and, uh, and so there was one where, um, a friend I have met and we become... Um, good friends. She went to different meetings and stuff. Um, but I met her through another um, boy in AA that I was dating at the time, and um, and so then him and I stopped dating, and um, that was a little bit awkward because they were friends. And so she had made some sort of comment while we were hanging out that that I interpreted as that she was friends with him first, and so for whatever you know the situation was, that I would you know be second or something along those lines. And so I was super upset and, you know, I was, you know, not going to talk to her or I was going to talk to her and tell her exactly how she made me feel and blah, blah, blah. And what I thought about that. And I talked to my sponsor and she suggested I go and, you know, look at that book. And so what it suggested was that I get with her and, um, and say, you know, when we had this conversation, um, this is what I, I heard. And is, is that what you meant? Because, you know, yeah. And, um, and, then she was able to say, no, you know, what, I, I don't recall saying it like that. And if I did, I wasn't, you know, choosing my words very specifically. Um, but that wasn't what I intended at all. And so then it was able to resolve without, you know, a whole lot of stuff. It was just that, you know, I asked, this is what I heard, is that what you intended, and then she could clarify. And, and if it was what she intended, then we'd go from there. But, you know, it, it changed, you know, my feeling of the relationship, you know, within moments, which I had been so stewing over for at least probably two days by the time that we had got to to that because you know I'm I'm good at that um so so yeah so I I found it really helpful and um and you know enlightening that oh I, I can hear things or people can say things and do things and it's they don't have the intention or the meaning that that I hear or take from it.
0: I like that because you're actually asking for clarity. You're actually asking to to, to make sure that you understand what was right, and it
1: it changes me to be more generous to them too. Because in general, I would be like, they they did this. They don't like me. They hurt my feelings. They, you know, whatever was you know them bad, and um, and so by by you know changing it to giving them the the benefit of oh maybe you know they didn't intend it that way or you know give them the opportunity to have clarity then that too um, shows a, a open-mindedness and a, a willingness. And then hopefully they'll you know bestow that back to me when I say something stupid or do something that you know hurts their feelings because that's how humans work. And so that then creates a, a deeper you know, relationship or friendship because um, we both know that if there's something that one says or does that the other you know finds um, hurtful that, that person can come and talk to the other person about it and have that that open mindedness um, to to clear up the situation.
0: That's really interesting. That whole idea of communication and healthy communication is really interesting. I think it I think it really does apply kind of with these steps too. Because when you're thinking about these steps in terms of how I'm going to change going forward for you know throughout my life, the communication part is really really important. So yeah, that I think that book is something I, I definitely will check out because it's something I've, I've been thinking about this more and more. Um, we've been talking about it at our meeting about communication and being assertive and all this kind of different stuff. And I find it very interesting. It's a very interesting topic. And I think that it's something that... I really haven't addressed a whole lot in my life. And I, I think that I, I'm still not always communicating right. Um, it's, you know, I think I, I recognize it easier with email because so oftentimes you'll get an email and you and you read into it something that the sender o- honestly didn't mean, or you don't read it all the way through or something like that. Well, I think the same thing does actually happen in verbal communications too, that we don't always, you know, we, we, we think we're hearing one thing, but we're really not. It's not what was the message that was intended right. anyway. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I think that we had a pretty good discussion about step six and seven here. Um, you know, boiling it down, I think it's all about you know changing behaviors. Um, I think it's all about you know we had these coping mechanisms that that we used throughout our life that were working at one time that maybe don't work so well. You know, now that we're adults and are in, in sober adults,
1: <laughs> yeah. And these are the, the steps for me where I get to practice doing things differently, and, and get get to have that feeling of. Um, of okay i survived doing this differently and the world didn't end so maybe i can do it again kind of like you know when you go through your first you know thanksgiving sober you're like okay i survived that one so you know maybe i can survive the next you know holiday sober
0: and it's really a positive it's a positive thing too because you actually you can actually see progress and you act you can actually enjoy it you're learning something new you get to practice that so yeah it's 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 really the core of recovery i think really when you get down to it
1: right it's Surviving the scary stuff of doing things differently and, and having different results and, and being able to make those changes, which, you know, it's worse we need to do as adults in life, you know, so.
0: All right. Well, thank you, Angela. Thank you very much. Um, so next steps are going to be eight and nine. I guess we might want to, do you think we should combine those two?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay, we'll combine
0: those two. All right. Well, you have a nice, nice day.
1: You too. Thanks.
0: And that's another episode of AA Beyond Belief. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, if you'd like to help out our site and podcast, there's a couple of things you can do. First of all, go on over to iTunes and leave us a review, hopefully a favorable one. You can also help out financially with either a recurring or one-time contribution. You can do this by setting up small recurring donations at our Patreon page, which you can find at patreon.com slash AA Beyond Belief. You can also donate through PayPal at paypal.me/aabeyondbelief and you can always visit our site at aabeyondbelief.org and click on the donate button. Thanks again for listening everybody. We'll be back again real soon with another episode of AA Beyond Belief the podcast.